Welcome to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette with your host, Steve Garrett, MC and DJ at one of the largest Corvette weekends in the country, Corvette Fun Fest, president of the Corvette Club of Kansas City, Missouri, and radio disc jockey at the number one radio station in Kansas City for over 40 years. Here's Steve Garrett. Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. I appreciate you tuning in. You can listen to Corvette Today on almost all podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, CastBox, Overcast, BeanPod, TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, and now Audible as well. You can also listen on your smart device. All you have to do is say, Alexa or Hey Google, play the podcast called Corvette Today, and you're connected. Also, visit the Corvette Today website. It's www.corvettetodaypodcast.com. You can also sign up for Corvette Today notifications, updates, and information at corvettetoday.ck.page. And don't forget to join the Corvette Today Facebook group. We now have over 1,700 members, and I'd love to have you as a member, too. First, let me thank our flagship sponsors of Corvette today, Haltech Systems. Haltech makes the best cold air intake with world-class performance for your C5, C6, C7, and C8 Corvette. It's the quickest and fastest intake with no cutting or hacking. It's just plug-and-play and no throwing codes. Get your special Corvette Today discount of 11% off with the code CT11 online at HaltechSystems.com or just call them 262-965-4300. That's 11% off at H-A-L-L-T-E-C-H Systems.com. Or their phone number is 262-965-4300 and get your Corvette Today discount. Also, midenginecorvetteforum.com. If you'd like to join this new vibrant forum that focuses on the new mid-engine C8 Corvette, it's free to join this friendly community. You'll find a lot of Corvette enthusiasts like yourself at midenginecorvetteforum.com. Also, a shout-out to canadiancorvetteforum.com, welcoming Corvette owners around the world. It's an honor to have this man as my special guest on Corvette today. He's a 36-year veteran at General Motors. He's the exterior design manager for Corvette, Mr. Kirk Benyon. Kirk, it's my pleasure. Welcome to Corvette today. Steve, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Kirk, first of all, let's talk about your early years. I knew that you knew at an early age you wanted to do this for your career. Talk about your high school experience and the teacher whose suggestions that you followed to get your career started and helped you get accepted into college. Sure, you know, I went to a good high school with a, with a good art program, and I would tell you, as a young lad, I was always encouraged to keep up with my art and that. And I would tell you, when I got into high school, when you take our class, at least at my high school, it was open to all students. As a freshman, I was in there with sophomore, junior, seniors, and that. And, you know, art's very visual, so you, you can learn from the people around you. But I learned that I really liked doing the art. And in that art class, there were always posters of given colleges that were on the wall. And after my freshman year, I would read over those posters, and I went up to my art teacher, and I said, I'd really like to get to that school. And that, well, this would be, you know, I was on the freshman basketball team as well. This would be like me telling my coach I got it figured to down to three colleges. I'm thinking Duke, North Carolina, or Kentucky, you know. I was really looking ahead at, as a freshman at the three top art schools at the time. I think I, I surprised my teacher when I asked her that, but she gave me an answer that might surprise you. She looked at me. She said, all right, if that's what you want to do, you have to work on two things. 
first you have to develop a keen eye. You have to draw from nature. You have to draw from people. Second, you have to draw from your imagination. You have to develop your creativity. She said, whatever assignment I give, you need to have one of those attributes in that assignment. And the final one is you can't tell anyone. This is me to you. This is, this is our work plan. Wow. And I would have her for the next four years. Now, you can imagine, you know, you're in high school, and there's obviously distractions coming. I would tell you, when I was 16, I, I bought a 1970 Camaro Z28. That was my high school color. Wow. And uh, so girls were there, too. So I remember as a junior, her name was Judy Club. She's a phenomenal teacher. She called me up to her desk, and she said, you know, this last assignment just isn't indicative of what you're capable of. She said, I'm going to give you an A-. minus." And I kind of walked away disappointed myself, and I thought, I'd never seen an A minus uh-huh. in like like years. So I thought, well, I'll show her. The next two weeks, I'll hit the assignment. I'll knock it out of the park. So I worked hard on the next assignment. She calls me up to her desk again. She looks at me and she says, you don't get it, do you? And I was like, no, I don't. She goes, getting an A in my class isn't going to get you where you want to go. You've got to let it go. She just, she's like, you have to deliver all of it. You can't come in. You know, it's typical teenage. You can't just do what you think to, you know, to get by. She was like, bring it all. Her level setting me a few times there was worth a while. And like I said, I give her a lot of credit for putting me on a good path. For artists, you can say that, you know, there's abstract arts, there's realism, things like that. But having me work on those two skill sets is really what the colleges were looking for anyways. And that's what really enabled me to get into Cleveland was her guidance. And her keeping me honest through my high school years was a big help. It's amazing that they could do that with you, even in your high school days. And that led you to the Cleveland Institute of Art, the CIA, obviously, and ironically. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I know you told me that while you were in college, you did a couple projects for GM that helped you get into General Motors. Talk about how you got into Cleveland Institute of Art and talk about those two projects that you worked for for GM while you were at CIA. Okay, so, you know, in my high school years, I developed my portfolio through the teachings of Mrs. Klepp there. And, you know, you submit a portfolio for admission, and pretty much at, in, these, in those years, they were only accepting like 20% of the applicants right out of high school. Wow. So being an 18-year-old kid, I was able to pull together a good enough portfolio to get in and get accepted. The five-year program ends. Your first two years were foundation. Then your third year, I got into industrial design and that. Getting into industrial design, it wasn't just me by myself, obviously. There was a few of us that were huge in the cars. And the director of the department, his name was Roy Hess at the time, he could see that. And he approached General Motors about working with our class on a special co-op project. For two years, sophomore and junior year, we worked with GM on some special wild vehicles that I would say is still not seen today. But working with professional designers, you know, a college atmosphere, you know, that's like bring in your best coaches and that. They were really good at level setting us with what was important, what you needed to do with your sketching, your ideation and that. And, you know, here again, it was a projection out of my high school, but having those professionals there was a huge help. Now, I would tell you, within Cleveland, I have an industrial design degree. I have a graphics minor, and then I also have a painting minor. Wow. To Mrs. Clip's credit, I did portrait paintings. One of my classes, I would go in once a week, and for six hours, I would paint a portrait. And I would do that every week for about two hours. Now, like I said, it's a good activity. It develops how you see color, how you see shape, light, line. It really develops a keen eye for you. 
Right. So as you can imagine, I kind of gotten pretty good. I was an A student, not to say I was a professional or I was spectacular, but I was pretty good. I had enough practice doing that, portraits and that. So one of my pals came to me and he said, and of course, you know, there's about 300 artists on campus and that. So there's usually always some kind of request on the board or something, somebody looking for something to be made or, or whatever. And uh, Cleveland's good like that. But there was a sign up there. It was uh, Mr. and Mrs. Winger were looking for someone to paint their daughter's portrait. And my buddy came up to me and he goes, oh, you should do that. You know, I'm doing these car programs with GM and I'm like, ah, you know, I just don't have the time. And he goes, oh, but you should do it. You could do a really good job. And so he would come to my desk, you know, every week or so. He says, I, did, you, did you line it up? Did you start it? Are you going to do it? And then after about six weeks, a note came down. And he comes to my desk and he says, did you finish it or did you do it? I said, no, I couldn't get to it. He goes, did you know who that was for? I was like, no, this is like 1981. Well, the person they wanted painted was Deborah Winger, Hollywood actor, star of Oscar and the Gentleman. <laughs> wow. So, Needless to say, I was disappointed in myself for not taking on that job and not understanding it. My buddy looked at me like, you knucklehead. <laughs> it would have been fun to do, but note to self was not to pass up any more Hollywood actresses who were looking for the portraits to be painted anyways. Boy, that's <laughs> for sure. That's pretty funny. That's a great story. Now, you graduated from the Cleveland Institute of Art. What happened after graduation that kind of led you to the path getting into GM after graduation? So getting into GM, it's a portfolio review. And myself and my pals, we were coming out of a five-year program in that. We're coming down to what, what we would call our final semester, our, our BFA semester, where your best culmination, your best work is being displayed. And I remember talking with my pals, because, you know, a normal portfolio would be like 30 pieces. Right. And I remember I talking to my pals, it's like, you know, I'm not sure 30 pieces is really representative of what I could do. Of course, you're looking at me like, where are you going with this? Well, thinking is that there's a lot of work that you accumulate in five years and you get better and stuff like that. Right. So what we ended up doing is we cut a deal with our curator so that we were able to use the art gallery at Cleveland. So we got a lot of space. We were sketch hounds. We just did sketching all the time. I put up 357 sketches on a huge wall, plus my portfolio, plus all, as you can imagine, models and everything. And my pal at the time, Dave Ross, he put up like 287 sketches. You know, we were hungry young guys. We are looking for a job. And we ended up having Chuck Jordan from, who was a VP of GM Design at the time. He came down to our school. And you could imagine just seeing all those sketches on walls that, you know, were 12 feet tall or whatever. Wow. He, he got it. He knew where we were at. We, we wanted him to understand we were creative and we were hardworking, and both of us got a job right on the spot. Amazing. It was a big day for us. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you got your job in 1984 with General Motors. Yeah. What was your first job with the company? Well, they typically start you out in the advanced studio. So I was started out in advanced three, and that's where I met Tom Peters. Oh. I would later work for Tom Peters for 20 years as his design manager in that. But we hit it off right from the start. He was a great guy to work for. And, you know, I was just a young kid coming into a corporation and that. So working in the advanced studio helped get you learn and understand how the building operated. So I was in there for about a year. I went to Pontiac too. That was a fun studio because they had Trans Ams, Firebirds. We were working on future Fieros, things like that. Wow. And I was there for probably a year and a half, and Tom Peters was in the Corvette studio, so they ended up moving Tom down to Pontiac, and he became the assistant chief. 
And they moved me into the Corvette studio in 1986 to kind of take Tom's spot. Okay. And if I would move there, and I would work for, as you know, John Capero, who was our executive design director for GM, just recently retired about a year or so ago. So that's how I got into what was Chevy 3. That's an awesome studio. Of course, the cars in there at the time was the 1991 ZR1 clay model sitting right next to my desk. That's when the C4 generations were really taking hold, and uh, you know we were working on high-performance models. That was a great route to be in. That's awesome. Now, you're also an amateur race car driver. What cars do you race? We started out with a Beretta GTZ, which, you know, front-wheel drive cars, you're putting a lot on them to do what they do with front wheels and that. You're asking them to brake, turn, accelerate. It's tough on the cars. We end up braking the car a lot. We graduated to a 1991 Camaro Z28 that we raced in SSGT and SCCA and did that. John and I co-drove that car for about five years. We had a ball. It was a, it was a great car to drive. You know, back then, the Camaro was kind of a big car, and you were racing against smaller cars. Well, those cars in those days didn't really have sophisticated brakes. You were on a single piston cast iron front caliper, which... You know, you got maybe six hot laps out of it, and then, you know, the, the pedal started going soft on you. Sure. So, so you really needed to make that car wide. That was the beauty of the Camaro was that you could slide it around, keep it wide, and not leave yourself open for passing in that. John and I got into that. Now, as a young designer when I was working for John, he was 32, and gosh, I was all like 24. He believed that young designers coming into the Corvette studio, they needed to do three things. They needed to learn to drive performance cars. We all went to driving schools, went to the John Powell School up in Mosport there. Right. He believed that was very important. He believed he had to work in the wind tunnel, and then he had to go to races. He had to understand what these cars were doing at the racetracks and that. So we would take a lot of trips to Mid-Ohio and stuff, you know, watching the GTP cars at the time. Huh. That was a great venue, but John's vision was very good. I think he was absolutely right in, in having that skill set so that you could go forward and basically design any kind of Corvette, you know, as it comes along kind of thing. And my first Corvette assignment was actually the Corvette Challenge Series. Wow. I was designing the graphics for the cars. They wanted a format that they could put on all the cars. All the cars, you know, had sealed engines and such, and so they were all supposed to be equal, so they wanted the graphics at the beginning. So the decal packages were all the same, but then they allowed the teams to do what they want with their own graphics and their own paint schemes later on. That was a lot of fun, and that uh, we would go to most part to, to see those cars race there as well. That sounds like a lot of fun, and you learn aerodynamics, and you get the whole package there watching them race, don't you? Oh, yeah, and we would spend the time in the wind tunnel with, with not only the three cars, but the race cars. That's really cool. Wow. So you really got well-rounded in your early days at General Motors then, didn't you? Yeah, well, very much so. That's great. Kirk, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk in the second segment about the mid-engine C8 Corvette. We're going to take a deep dive into that. I'm talking with Kirk Benyon, the exterior design manager for Corvette on Corvette Today. VetFinders.com is the Internet's original Corvette classified ads website with classified ads starting at just $25. And every ad runs until your Corvette is sold. If you're in the market for a Corvette, VetFinders.com has over 500 Corvettes for sale from all around the USA and Canada and covering all eight generations. Visit VetFinders.com, the Internet's destination for buying and selling Corvettes. That's V-E-T-T-E Finders.com. KC Trends Motorsports has been the Midwest's largest custom wheel superstore for over 25 years. They specialize in C8 wheel fitments from the top brands in the industry, like HRE, Vossen, ADV1, 
avant-garde, and more. They ship daily from their Kansas City location to all upper 48 states with the best pricing and inventory in the country. Need tires? KC Trends Motorsports has you covered. They have tires in stock from Michelin and Pirelli. Plus, they can help you with a customized wheel and tire combo for your Corvette to truly make it one of a kind. And if you need wheel ideas, no problem. Simply go online to kctrends.com for their car and wheel visualizer. See the wheels on your Corvette before you purchase. Also, there's dozens of wheels and tire combo pictures to look through online to spur your imagination. And their expert staff is there to help you with wheel and tire sizing and offsets for your C6, C7, and C8 Corvette. Visit them online at kctrends.com. See them on Facebook and Instagram. Make any Corvette a one-of-a-kind with KC Trends Motorsports. Call them toll-free, 877-962-5200. KC Trends Motorsports. And now, back to Corvette Today with your host and my husband, Steve Garrett. Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. With me today, my special, special guest is exterior design manager for Corvette, Mr. Kirk Benyon. In the second segment, we are going to take a deep dive into the new C8 mid-engine Corvette. Kirk, talk about how many years your team have been working on that C8 design. Because when I talked to Taj, I know that Taj said we were launching the C7, but in the background, we were already working on the mid-engine design. Yeah, very much so. You know, I would tell you that Corvette's its own product line. You know, it has been since C5 days when we had the coupe, a fixed hardtop, convertible, and the Z06. So we've always had multiple models within the lineup. C7 and C8 were no different. It's hard to say when one starts and when finishes because we're usually working on multiple cars and phases at the same time. There's overlap. And to Ted's point, when we were finishing what you know is the 2019 ZR1, we were finishing that while we were still working on the C8. There's times that we work on two, three cars at a time. Wow. In different phases, of course. Some are in earlier phases, some are in later phases than that. But uh, like I said, it's really the goal is to develop the sequential product line that we kind of groomed our customer to expect that there isn't just one car coming out. There's more to come later. Right. Talk about some of the design challenges that you had going from a front-engine car to a rear-engine and a rear-mid-engine car. Well, the front-engine cars like C7, C6, C7, with the front-end cooling, those were efficient. You had a single radiator. You're able to channel all your air through that. You can still get a fairly low-drag car out of that and still meet your cooling metric. But when we went to C8, now that you reverse things in the engine in the back, Remind yourself that it's not a little engine back there for the midship. It's a 6.2-liter engine, probably one of the biggest in the class. So dealing with the heat that that engine was producing back there was a pretty good challenge in the beginning because, you know, with those big side scoops and that, we needed to get air to circulate around the engine. We also need to get air out of the engine. So the rear hatch and that rear glass that you see, those are really important elements for the rear of that car. The other thing, you know, working up front, we have two heat exchangers and condensers in the front corners. So getting the air channeled through those corners and down the body side and into the side inlet was a challenge, too, because you've got to shape and tune the air to go around the front corner and get it to where it's directed into that side. You're working one end of the car. Typically, you have to tune the front end to optimize the back end of the car. Right. You know, all that takes a lot of time in the wind tunnel, and there's there's many iterations that take place to get that, get that air to go out where you want it. Right. 
Now, even though the C7 was a front mid-engine Corvette, the C8 is a rear mid-engine Corvette, which gives you a lot more freedom, I would think. Talk about some of those advantages with the engine being in the back behind the cockpit. The big advantage, obviously, is we can see the engine. It's great to be able to show that piece off. We're big fans of what our powertrain folks were able to do with these engines and that. So showing that off was a big deal for us. You know, we would refer to that as the jewel in the setting. Right. Developing the rear hatch, I would tell you that was a challenge in it, that it, in its size. It had to be so strong. It's covering a lot of area in the back. We still have our target top storage back there. The big difference, I would tell you, architecturally, not only is it a pit engine, but we have storage both in the front and the rear of the vehicle. The amount of storage that we have there, I, I, I think, is beyond any car in the market right now in that configuration. And then we know our customers like to travel with these cars. We like to drive them long ways as well. Absolutely. It's a very usable feature. Kirk, talk about some of the CA design elements that you're most proud of, not necessarily in the engine bay, but the overall design, the exterior design of the car. Well, for the exterior design, I would tell you there's definitely a few key areas, but I'll start at the front anyways. I'll tell you the headlamp. We've got some really nice headlamps, high tech, very low, very sleek, very aerodynamic. Took a lot of hard work to get them that way. Very proud of what we're able to execute in that profile and in that shape. It's very dramatic. I challenge you to find a car with, with a better headlamp than what we have there. You know, the light signature is very expressive. It's very unique. The front end of the car, I think, is very unique. You know, it's got a large aperture. You can see it from a block away. You know, it's a new C8. Probably the functional features that we put in that front fascia with the cameras, with the license plate positioning, and that with the dedicated Z51 brake cooling, front splitter and such for downforce. There's a lot that goes into the front of the vehicle, for sure. Going down the side of the car, I would tell you, having the hidden door handle and not just having it hidden on the body side, but also having the front hood latch handle hidden. Its handle is also hidden. I shouldn't say handle, but it's it's really just a soft rubber membrane that you squeeze to release the hatch at both ends of the car as well as the door. Right. Developing that was a big deal. And the side scoop, you know, we really depend on that side scoop to collect air into the back of the vehicle. So finding that balance of pushing the door section all the way to the striker almost, and then having enough width where we actually the scoop comes up almost past the tire, kind of grab as much air as possible. So that's a neat feature. And, you know, we've got a very small Ferrari-like fuel door on the body side. Mm-hmm. And something that we've done on the car, too, that we've done in the past Corvettes that we didn't do on this one was we took the side markers off the panels. We integrated the side marker into the rear tail lamp and then integrated into the front headlamp. And the goal here was to have the potty side be a clean sculptural statement because there is a lot of what we feel is beautiful sculpture in that car. And we wanted to show it off and not get caught up with having a redundant door handles or key locks or, or things like that. We really worked hard to hide all that. It really is a very clean design, and I like the rear end of the car as well. The rear end's got a nice stance. We do a lot in the wind tunnel in optimizing the back end of the car. It's critical to its top speed metric as well as fuel mileage in there. And a lot of times what you've seen like on C5, C6, C7 is the rear fascia tends to be a little bit high compared to other vehicles because we, we are optimizing the car to that optimal departure point off the deck lid. We've been putting a lower graphic, a lower diffuser, and on the C8, we have a nice carbon flash diffuser down there that surrounds the muffler and tailpipes that also helps with heat rejection down there, but that was key. And then having the vents to 
at least in the face of that, to, to take whatever ambient hot air is in that area. The thing that's going on, too, is you have the side inlet at the forward part is actually a split inlet. It's taking an air at the top for the air box, and then in the lower half of the inlet, it's taking an air, and it's a fan-driven air as well, taking that in for the engine. Right. The design of the C8 Kirk is obviously a radical departure from all the front engine platforms. What are some of the updated design elements that make the C8 so special? I would tell you that the big shift, moving the occupant forward in car, 16 and a half inches, getting to this what we call cockpit forward proportion, I think was huge for the car. And how we're able to take the rear hatch and kind of slope that in such a way that we're accenting that further thrust of the vehicle sitting forward in car like that. And also, some benefits there are we were able to lengthen the footroom there. We do have some tall customers. We've seen guys like six foot seven get in. We try to give as much leg room as possible. So that was also key in having this mid-engine layout. That's really great because there are a lot of guys that want a Corvette, but they can't fit in it. And moving 16 and a half inches up is huge because you're much, much closer to the front wheels and tires. And that makes a huge difference in driving. Plus, it makes a whole difference with the weight distribution of the car as well. Sure. What are some of your favorite design features of the C8? Well, I would tell you, like in the rear hatch, we have the backlight. And the backlight has a floating edge. It's not trapped on all four sides. And, you know, I would tell you there's a point for us that we weren't sure what material was going to live on that hatch over the engine. Luckily, we found that our SMC construction was resilient enough to endure the heat back there. But we also have uh, aluminum wire mesh pieces in there as well. But that configuration, plus having, like I said, the trailing edge of the, of the rear glass not covered, that allowed air to get out. It also improved our rear downward vision, too. That's critical to these cars as well. Absolutely. Are there any design elements that you brought from previous Corvette generations into the C8? I would tell you there's a few. You know, probably one of the most influential Corvettes that I would tell you is the 1959 Stingray. That car has what we call a high water mark. I had the experience of being able to talk with the sculptors that worked on that original car. Wow. They would talk about how the guys were, you know, this would be 1957 when they were working on that, but they talked a lot about flying saucers, and that was kind of the science fiction influence of that car, of having that crease go down the body side, but all the way around the car. Oh. What that does is, for you and I sculpturally, it kind of gives you a highlighted area on top and a shadowed area down below, and it makes the car look even sleeker. That, what we call waterline, that high waterline has been there on Corvettes. Now, we softened it a little bit on C3. We put a molding there on C4. We put the crease back in on C6. C7, we rolled it off a little bit, but that horizontal waterline, we feel, is part of Corvette's DNA. That's true, and it kind of honors previous generations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's involved in different ways. It shares some commonality, but it's usually executed different, which helps the car look more different as well. I would tell you the front fender and quarter shapes, those are very voluptuous fenders. They have a lot of leap. And they have a lot of muscularity to them. Mm-hmm. That's something that Corvette has had through the years, but it's kind of shifted. You know, that 59 Stingray was a short quarter panel with a long front fender feature. And then when you got to C3, the rear flare and the front flares were kind of balanced. And then we got to C7, we made that rear quarter longer we, and we made the front fender shorter. We kind of shifted those proportions around a little bit, and, and C8 had some of that too, where the front fender shifted forward, the leaf in that is a little shorter than what we did in the rear quarter. And part of that is the way we like to do that. We like the wheels to look like they've been shoved up into the body, or the car's been, been dropped to make it look lower. 
So it's, a, it's, you know, here again, it's part of our DNA. We've just executed it in a few different ways through the years. Well, it looks like a Corvette. Even though it's a mid-engine, it still looks like Corvette and has the Corvette DNA. Kirk, let's take one more break, and we'll get into our third segment. We're talking with Kirk Benyon, the exterior design manager for Corvette on Corvette Today. If you're looking for top-quality aftermarket parts for your C2 through C7, and especially your new C8 Corvette, look no further than Apsis USA. We are a leader in aftermarket parts, especially parts made in carbon fiber. Whether it's for your interior, exterior, or engine bay, Apsis USA can custom make nearly any part you want in leather, carbon fiber, or carbon flash. Plus, we have custom parts for your new C8 Corvette that no other company has. Visit our website at apsisusa.com or call toll-free at 1-800-68-APSIS. That's 1-800-682-7747. Call and get the special Corvette Today discount of 10% off your order. We'll help you customize your Corvette to give it that one-of-a-kind look. So when you want the best, look to the leader in aftermarket interior, exterior, and engine bay parts for your Corvette. APSIS USA at APSISUSA.com. Don't forget, call today and get your 10% discount when you mention the Corvette Today podcast. Hey, honey, are you awake? Mm, I am now. I can't sleep. Since turning 50, I keep dreaming of a red door and a blue door, somehow knowing there are only choices for retirement. Okay. Through the red door, we outlive our money. We have to rely on our kids. We're stuck on a fixed income. It's terrifying. Yeah, that would suck. But through the blue door, our money outlives us. We retire on our terms. Our kids stay our kids, not our caretakers. We make work optional. Yes, that's much better. That's what I want too, but what do we do? We call True Wealth and Company at 913-653-8783. They specialize in helping successful people make work optional. They're our fiduciary Blue Door personal wealth managers. Hey, where are you going? It's 3 a.m. I can't sleep. I'm going to check out True Wealth and Company online at retirewithtrue.com. That Blue Door is going to be our retirement. 913-653-8783. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com. Investment advice offered through True Wealth and Company, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Kansas. You're listening to the Corvette Today podcast with Steve Garrett. Thanks again for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. With me today, special guest, is exterior design manager for Corvette, Kirk Benyon. Kirk, what outside non-automobile-related things inspire you when you design cars? And not necessarily just the Corvette or the mid-engine C8, but what outside non-automobile things inspire you that you bring into your car designs? I would say a military aircraft, and we've been a fan of that, I think. It's been a GM trend for a long time where designers before me were always looking at the aircraft, like, you know, the SO-71. We were big fans of the F-22 Raptor when it came out and the F-35 and that. We can appreciate their the shape and the technology, and, you know, they're, they're dealing with some of the stuff that we deal with, but just at a much greater level, of course. It's always fun to see what the military is able to produce with their intel. And that goes back to Harley Earl days, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Anything else? There's motorcycles. You know, when we were doing a lot of our underhood development, we were looking at how motorcycles like Ducati would handle some of their finishes and details and things like that. We would also look at our the engines in our race team's cars in that and all that they're doing with special heat management, certain gold plating, certain materials that they have in the engine of those cars as well that were very influential when we were doing our, our underhood work as well. 
the science fiction movies these days and what Marvel and DC are doing is, I think, is very entertaining. And there's a lot of good design happening in those movies, as fun as it is. That's really cool. It's so interesting to hear where you get inspiration from because I don't have a designer bone in my body, but I love Corvette. I love my C7, but it's always interesting to hear where you get inspiration from. Kirk, what other brands impress you from a design standpoint? Is it maybe some of the Europeans or some of the Americans or, or what other cars impress you? There's obviously some, some aspirational cars out there that I think are pretty stellar. Corvette, we strive to be attainable. We still want to deliver a good performance throw with what we can do. Ferrari has become more bespoke, and uh, you know they have some of the same values we do with aerodynamics and lightweight materials. I think they've been doing some interesting cars of late. Bugatti has done some wild cars. True. And Lamborghini, I think, has been. You know, they're all getting into some very expressive cars. And then, you know, of course, when pass up Porsche, they deliver performance every year. They may not take on huge styling leaps, but you have to respect what they're able to do as far as putting low lap times down. That's true. As a matter of fact, I think that 911 body has virtually been unchanged for nearly 50 years now. The great engineered cars. Are there any design elements that you kind of incorporated from other brands that you brought into the C8? I don't know if there'd be so much so as design elements. Probably some material learnings, things like that. We watch how they're handling their performance metrics as well, but what are they doing for their aerodynamic solutions? We're all trying to figure out how to go faster around the track and developing more downforce and grip into the cars. We look at the other cars for how they're handling those same challenges as well. Well, that makes sense. What's your favorite generation of Corvette? Let's get personal here. Well, my favorite would be the next one. <laughs> Good answer, my friend. Good answer. Do you have Corvettes in your garage, Kirk? Yes, I do. And, you know, to go back, you know, I've got a lot of friends that have C4s, C5s, C6s, C7s. There's a car there for everybody. Very true. Answer your question, yeah. In my garage, I have a 2011 Z06 Carbon. Nice. It's number 199. We built 250 of those in 2011. The charm of the, the Carbon, it's one of the lightest weight Corvettes we've produced. Mine comes in at 3150. Ceramic brakes. Big tires, of course, carbon fiber hood, rooftop, roof bowl, ground effects, and then carbon ceramic brakes, of course. Of course. I value lightweight, uh, normally aspirated horsepower to 7 liter. It's been bumped up to 660, of course, at the crank in that. Wow. Normally aspirated lightweight and a lot of brakes. It would be my ultimate combination of tires. There you go. Now, I have to ask you this. Is there a C8 in your future? And if there is, what color would you get? And what accessories would you put on your C8? There'll definitely be a C8 in my future. I'm not sure it'll be tomorrow, but I'm definitely planning on getting one. I would tell you, I'm a big fan of the new Redness Metallic. I was down at Bowling Green, and I saw a few of those cars. Very new color, very compelling. For me, I like my cars to be track-equipped. I like having the air devices, the, the wings, the splitters, things like that. I like the darker wheels. You and I don't wear one pair of shoes all the time, so I always look at it like, you know, you can have two different styles of wheels for your car as well. And I keep two sets for my car, and I keep an all-season tire set, and I have a track tire set. You can have a lot of fun, and it. it is fun to watch CA customers and what they're doing with their cars and how expressive they're getting. It's great to see them having fun with stripe packages. They're doing things with wrapping. Like I said, there's a lot of expressive fun. We talked before about Porsche. Porsche is they're more of a fraternity with how they handle their customers and their cars. Well, 
And I'm going to tell you, Corvette people, they're all about the evolution of the car. They're all about what's going to be next and what's going to be new to have fun with. Very true. And that's what a lot of the draw was for me when I purchased my C7. I love the history and the tradition of the car, and that really made a big difference for me. Each year we would give a presentation down at Bowling Green, and I tell my friends, if we got up there, and there's times we've had a thousand people down there, if we got up and started our presentation and said, you know, there's not going to be anything new this year, we're going to just wait till next year, they'd probably laugh us out of there. Because each year when we debut a car, there's always something new that we're doing. It might be small, might be mid-size, might be huge, but like I said, they're a fan of the evolution, and they may not be in the market for the car that day. But you never know, there might be something there that we'll get to a couple of years from now. It is fun to see their enthusiasm about the cars and what we do with the cars each time we get a chance to do a new one. Absolutely right. And you've got so many options for people to choose from with now 12 different exterior colors to choose from. The interior design, you've got seatbelt colors, you've got options with Z51, you've also got the front lift package that they can do. There's, like you said, it's great to see the different personalization that goes into each Corvette. Yeah. Kirk, any closing thoughts before we end up today? Sure. You know, the other thing that I would tell you is that makes Corvette what it is and is really key to its performance and its lastability is our relationship with our race team. Both C7 and C8, we would have weekly meetings with the engineers from Pratt Miller and going through our performance metrics. And they were huge in helping us with, you know, when it gets down to cooling metrics and things like that, they've got great intel on what works and where you need to be for the car. We kind of go back and forth with them, and I think that's what has made the C8R so successful is that we had such a good relationship with them on the C7R that that carried over into the C8R, and then the C8R will bounce back into our next lineup and how it influences our future product as well. Very true, very true. Kirk, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be on Corvette today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a fun time. Thanks again for listening to Corvette today, and thanks to our flagship sponsors, too. Make sure you take advantage of these great podcast discounts from Haltech Systems. You can get 11% off with the code CT11. Use that online at H-A-L-L-T-E-C-H-Systems.com or call them at 262-965-4300. Also, APSIS USA. Get 10% off online at APSISUSA.com or call them at 1-800-68-APSIS and mention the Corvette today podcast to get your 10% discount you've been listening to corvette today with steve garrett if you'd like to contact steve with any thoughts on the podcast or ideas for guests on corvette today you can email him at steve garrett dj at gmail.com that's steve garrett dj at gmail.com garrett has two r's and two t's or connect with steve on social media on facebook twitter or instagram using at Steve Garrett DJ. Thanks again for listening to Corvette Today.